unable, even now, to overcome his longing for Shifa. Saddled with a heavy burden of debt, harassed during the daytime by the schoolwork set him by his exacting grandfather, worn out during the nighttime by the excessive hand-pumping inevitable in an unmarried man of twenty, whose mistress was at once unattainable and constantly in his thoughts. Twice frozen, tormented and forced to flee, what constitution could withstand so many shocks and strains without succumbing, in the end, to illness? The symptoms of Jare's illness, a palpitation in the heart, a loss of taste in the mouth, a weakness in the hands, a smarting in the eyes, feverishness by night and lassitude by day, albumen in the urine and blood flecks in the phlegm had all manifested themselves within less than a year. By that time, they had produced a complete mental breakdown and driven him to his bed, where he lay with eyes tight shut, babbling deliriously and inspiring terror in all who saw him. still longs for her which is amazing in all this although he he never again dares to uh, actively pursue her um, and he's unable to right yeah he's filled with that kind of like loving and hating her at the same time type feeling I see that yeah. and, and then they go on to say how you know physicians were called in and he's given all these like pseudo medical um remedies that we've become more and more familiar with. They mention cinnamon and bark, autumn root, turtle shell, black leek, and Solomon's seal. So these sound like some serious uh, medicines. So he's really in a... They're not helping. He's in a bad way. They even at one point, um, they prescribe, you know, pure uh, ginseng. We assume that's very expensive, right? You know, it's... It was expensive then. Even now in China, it's pretty expensive. I, I've been doing a little bit of a, like uh, some like research on ginseng, and uh, you know, part of the reason it's called uh, it's rensung. Is that correct? Uh, is that the the ginseng root kind of looks like a little person? Oh, cool! And so there is this um, apotropaic sort of sympathetic magic going on. I also believe ginseng is. In the Wuxing system, it is uh, associated with it's cold. Usually, it's considered cold, and and so it would help fight against his fever and, and maybe his disease, which is associated with heat, which which again makes sense because you know your body temperature is going to go up. Uh, and, and actually, the United States right now is one of the um, the primary exporters of, of ginseng. Where does it grow? Do you know? Mostly in the Appalachian region, such as my, my hometown of Pennsylvania, uh, my, my home state, let's say. 
it's kind of a big it's all mine yeah that's a big old town and so actually there's been a lot of i read a great article on how it's become because there is such a d- demand for it in china uh who's the primary importer of uh, ginseng and so you have almost like these roving bands of uh mm-hmm. I, I think in like wisconsin i, I read a, a story about how you know they're like people are pursuing it like gold and there's, there's various crimes are being committed over the uh procuring the wild form and if you have the uh, the the older the root is the 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 higher the price it's going to fetch on the market uh and and so it has like there's different qualities just like there's different qualities of uh purities of gold and so on and so forth it's uh this is where my like wuxing sensibilities like stop hard and and i i, I like this, this has to be stopped. <laughs> I become a yeah, like a, a gins, anti-ginseng activist or something. I, I, I think this is true of like a lot of a lot of different things that are very much in demand. I mean, I I I know that like abalone, for example, is a there's very high demand for that in in uh, in China. Um, this is kind of shellfish. I've like tried it once, really don't see the appeal. It's just kind of quite rubbery, but very popular. Uh, and one of the places that it grows, one of the places you can find a lot of those uh, abalones in the wild is South Africa. And apparently they had like a, a huge thing of abalone poaching, basically, uh, where like the stocks got very, very dangerously low. But I think it's now kind of like being farmed and maybe that possibly helps to deal with some of those kind of supply problems. But back, back to the back to the story. And so basically uh, he is uh, diagnosed as, as needing pure ginseng. But uh, this is another instance where so they they go to the the, the wrong household, and of course uh, Wang Shifeng is in charge of a lot of these you know like household affairs, and she seems very unhelpful, very unwilling to remedy the situation. She makes a show of going around and, and searching for. There is some indication that maybe his timing is bad, and they they just made some into a medicine for uh, grandmother Jia. Uh, as well as they sent some off to an, another household as well. But just long story short, they end up finding some dregs and, and mixing that together and sending uh, Jare a very paltry consolation prize, you'd say. Uh, so Shifeng just, yeah, as you say, sends some old scraps, some odds and ends. But then she goes back to Lady Wang and tells her that, yes, she has sent two ounces of ginseng. Um, R- right. So she, she lies, basically. Uh, and so this is, you know, this is where it's a little bit. On one hand, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in uh, ginseng, so it's not as if like she actually adversely affected him because this is not really medicine. Um, but on the other hand, it does seem like knowing what they knew at the time that she, uh, like, kind of like, you know, let him die. Right? Healing properties of ginseng aside, like, I, yeah, I do kind of agree at this point. Yes guy's a complete creep but if you can prevent someone from dying uh, generally and family as well i mean so as we will see he gets no ginseng but a passing taoist monk mentions that he can cure uh retributory illnesses now i just want to stop on this for a second because these in chinese are uh yuan nia zhizhong so yuan nia is the word here for retribution. And this is a kind of Buddhist term. And it's, I, the thing is, I don't know enough about Buddhism to speak about it authoritatively. 
not that that stops us on this podcast but it's <laughs> i think it's to do with essentially karmic type retribution so we're to understand that his disease is a kind of karma for being uh, a kind of pervert yeah like a, a a sin karma yeah for trying to hit on his 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 cousin's wife and so this term is actually used in an earlier chapter so in chapter five in the dream sequence when Jiabaoyu goes off to the land of illusion and meets the fairy disenchantment when he first meets her she says my business is with the romantic passions love debts girlish heartbreaks and male philanderings of your dust-stained human world world the reason i have come here today is that recently there has been a heavy concentration of love karma in this area, and I hope to be able to find an opportunity of distributing a quantity of amorous thoughts by implanting them in the appropriate breasts. So when she uses love karma, that's the same word, yuan ye. So it's, so it is a kind of karmic type, type word, uh, type concept, uh, but it also does tie it back to this mystical other world that exists mm. separately from the the human world of dust. And some of that is kind of leaked uh, onto him, or he, or he has some way got kind of mixed up in it. Right. I kind of wanted to ask you whether you thought the uh, the Taoist monk is the same Taoist monk that we've seen a few times uh, prior. It's not really stated one way or the other, but I kind of got the ins- the sense that he was either the same monk or uh, serving the, the the same function in the story. What do you think? I I think I would kind of agree. One of the things that's slightly weird is when Jare calls out to him. In English, the Hawks, Hawks translation just says, quick, tell the holy man to come in and save me. You know, holy one, save me. Uh, but the way that Jare refers to him is Pusa, uh, which is uh, Bodhisattva, basically, which is Buddhist. Uh-huh. So it's not a really a, a Taoist thing at all. And, and, and later yeah. on, when he says, holy one, save me, he uses that same term, Pusa. And, and I thought before... I think in chapter one, we see the Taoist monk and a Buddhist monk walking together. And are we to understand that they jointly represent this slightly, this mystic otherness? And that even though there's two of them walking, they're just two parts of the same whole? That's definitely the impression that I got, uh, that we we are not to conceive of these traditions as, as oppositional as I, I think we like to imagine different forms of Christianity are or Christianity versus um, Islam. And even that oppositional character, I think, is kind of a modern uh, re- reimagining of what actually was often occurring historically, where there was this kind of a exchange, right? Yeah. So, he certainly is a mystical, otherworldly figure, the Taoist uh, monk, and... He definitely represents, uh, in my view, some yeah, some kind of force external to the human world. And he has a uh, otherworldly object that he's going to offer. Right. Yeah. So, what is this otherworldly object? And so he has this basically a magical mirror, uh, which has on it engraved uh, Feng Yue Bao Jian, which is one of the names, um, one of the like, one of the provisional names to the novel. Uh, given in the first chapter, in the very in the in the meta conversation, exactly. So it's it's one of the five titles. So we've ticked off, I think, four of the five titles at this point. There is the Chinese original, uh, Hong Lo Meng, 
which uh, which came up in the song cycle in chapter five. Uh, there's Shi Tolji, the story of the stone, which I think we came at in the first first chapter. We had uh, Jinling Shi Er Chai, twelve beauties of Jinling, that also came up in the in the dream sequence in chapter five, and now we've got this fourth one, Feng Yue Bao Jian. So what does that mean, Feng Yue? Feng Yue Bao Jian. Uh, so the Hawks translation has it as a mirror for the romantic, uh, and we talked a little bit about Feng Yue as the wind and the moon, and how these are connected to uh romantic imagery yeah absolutely they are the the natural world as symbolic metaphorical uh for romance you know romantic affairs i, I mean in a similar way it, it, in in different points of the book it uses the term yun yu so clouds and rain as a euphemism for sex so it's the same thing it's using a reference to the natural world Mm-hmm. as a stand-in for some aspect of human affairs. And he mentions that this uh, precious object he got from the Taishu Huanjing, from the uh, the Great Emptiness fantasy land uh, that we did, we visited. Um, yes. You know, for in the first chapter, as well as in, in the fifth chapter, in the dream chapter. And one of the, uh, what's interesting here, a, a really kind of critical detail that I, I picked up on uh, upon rereading was he mentions that this is uh this is from the land of illusion right but it's also it's specifically from the hall of emptiness the uh kong ling dian and actually and so uh bao yu does not visit the hall of emptiness it yeah. actually isn't mentioned at all except and this is where it's interesting in the song the ninth song dedicated to wang shifeng yeah, yeah, and so, and this is the only time in the text, uh, the only other time in the text that uh, this uh, hall of emptiness is uh, referenced at all, um, which makes me think that this is again this chapter is a reflection not only of you know of Jare's you know downfall, but also of um, of uh, Wang Shifeng's character and maybe a, a hint as to her own downfall, right? Because that's what all those songs were about in, in chapter five. And so actually, this is kind of hidden a little bit because the, the Hawks translation here is a little bit loose. And so the, the lines in the, in the Hawks that read, quote, too shrewd by half with such finesse you wrought that your own life in your own toils was caught. But long before you died, your heart was slain. And when you died, your spirit walked in vain. And actually, that line is "siho uh, xing kongling," and so there's the kongling. There's that's the only other reference to um, the difference is it's not exactly so. It's not exactly referencing the the hall of emptiness, but it is the same characters, and it is the same. I, I believe it's a it's it can't be a coincidence. Where even in in the poem, so in the poem, the 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 kong is uh in vain right and we, we've talked about the, the 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 metaphor of emptiness before in, in previous chap in previous episodes uh and we're in but the uh the ling that's what um what hawks is rendered you know your spirit walking you know your, your spirit movement right your departed your departed soul and so I, I thought that was interesting that makes me think that this Hall of Emptiness is connected intimately with uh, Shifeng. Maybe, you know, maybe because, you know, 
before you died, your heart was slain. Maybe because she is so heartless. That's that's why she occupies, as, as we're going to see, that's why she occupies the uh, the mirror. That's why she exists in this um, this fake this fantasy realm because she produces she produces the fantasy. She lends herself to the fantasy. Uh, and so that, that's where I, that's the most philosophical I get for this chapter. <laughs> Sorry if that was all right. Um, well, well, let's talk about the mirror a little bit. Well, the Taoist says it's an antidote to the ill effects of impure mental activity. <clears throat> I mean, in the Chinese, it's So it's specially for curing illnesses of kind of impure thoughts, uh, unhealthy, mm-hmm. uh, evil, kind of bad, you know, thoughts and Wang Dong is kind of reckless or rash actions so we can see it's kind of exactly for someone like um someone like Jare you know the rich mm-hmm. fail son basically with his impure thoughts and his rash behavior right yeah as we go on to see right um he says you must only look at the rear of the mirror not the front <clears throat> I lend it to you on one important condition you must only look into the back of the mirror Never, never under any circumstances look into the front. And if he does that, then after three days he'll be cured. Yeah, if, if he only looks at the back of the mirror, yeah. And so what, what's in the back of the mirror? In the back of the mirror is uh, a grinning skull. So Jare says, let me try looking into it as he says. And holding it up to his face, he looked into the back as instructed and saw a grinning skull, which he covered up hastily with a curse. Silly old fool to scare me like that. So he's immediately kind of horrified by this. And what what do you think that skull represents? Do you think this is kind of like a memento mori type thing? What, what do you mean by that? Using a reminder of your own mortality as a way of leading you to uh, a, a more kind of upright and uh, moral way of living your life. I, I think that's a fair interpretation, right? I, I think there really is a... That seems to be... I can think of at least of some... Buddhist practices where you're supposed to, you know, when you have desire, you're supposed to imagine, you imagine the, your beloved as a, you know, as a corpse or as a, as a pile of bones, as a skull in order to, you know, distance yourself from desire by taking the, the, the end perspective, you know, by looking at the limits, the immediacy uh, loses its allure, loses its luster. It's probably an effective uh, technique. I, I'd say at least of limited efficacy, let's say. Yeah, yeah. when you get horny, think of death. And if you are still horny after thinking about death, well, that is your thing. So so what part of the... Uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, this wouldn't work on Batai or, or something. Um. <laughs> um, what part of the internet is the back of the mirror? Is that So you're supposed to stay on Twitter... But you're supposed to stay off uh, Instagram or like or 4chan, maybe. Uh, I think the back of the mirror is no internet at all. You know, you just stay off internet. It's looking at the front of the mirror is 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 going on the internet, getting involved with it. You know, being being implicated. But either um, one's a screen. It's almost like one of those. Uh, okay, this is. Uh, it's one of those like applications where it just shows you how much time you're wasting. Like maybe like a big clock on your like. You've been online now for an hour and a half that that time is dead it'll never come back <laughs> so what happens he gets spooked by this grinning skull 
uh, which he has to look at. Um, and he decides to turn the mirror around and look in the other side. Big mistake. Big mistake. I mean, this is like looking directly at the Medusa instead of looking at her reflection in the shield. Oh, okay. That's a great uh, analogy. So, I mean, he's not quite turned to stone, but he's lost forever. Right. And so when he, you know, when he does turn the mirror around, he definitely turns to stone with all the um, ill consequences thereof. And so on the, on the front of the mirror, he, he turned the mirror around and looked. And there inside was Shifeng beckoning him to enter. And his ravished soul floated into the mirror after her. There they performed the act of love together, after which she saw him out again. He awakens to discover that he... Well, this is a kind of wet dream, basically. Right. And so, he, I mean, again, this is the, this is the same fantasy land that uh, Bao Yu has his own uh, first experience in. So this is... We see a lot of the same images, remember? Because I remember in Chapter 5, it was... We saw desire and death sort of um, juxtaposed. Right, of course. Yeah, so the morning after... Uh, he first has sex with the fairy two and one. They, you know, venture out together for a, a stroll uh, and very nearly fall into this this kind of hell-like abyss full of kind of terrifying creatures reaching out to grab him and drag him down. Yakshas and other um, highway sea monsters. Yeah. So actually, so what's happened is after he has this this kind of sexual fantasy with Wang Xifeng, when he awakes, the mirror has turned itself around of its own accord, and he's looking at the grinning skull again. And he's, his sweat is trickling down his body, and he's uh, in a pool of semen. So it's very vivid imagery again. This is another one of our adult episodes. Yeah. So he's in, he's in that the little death after, after orgasm. Then he turns the mirror around again, and he looks in the front, and he indulges himself over and over again. He lacks self-control. He does. But the last time, just as he was going to return from the mirror, two figures approached him, holding iron chains, which they fastened around him, and by which they proceeded to drag him away. He cried out as they dragged him, Wait! Let me take the mirror with me! Those were the last words he ever uttered. Wait! I'm still posting! <laughs> you think it's like, Mom, I can't save right now, I'm in the middle of the game. <laughs> I can't save right now. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And those were the last words he ever uttered. Uh, so he goes out strong, I guess. Um, so he, he dies, like, hopelessly addicted to uh, the screen. Yeah, too much screen time. To those who stood around the bed and watched him while this was happening, he appeared first to be holding up the mirror and looking into it, then to let it drop, then to open up his eyes in a ghastly stare and pick it up again. Then, as it once more fell from his grasp, he finally ceased to move. And thus he dies, you know? He, he, he dies in this very kind of mysterious, otherworldly way. There was something I wanted to talk about because, I mean, this episode, I suppose, won't be released for several weeks, but it's, the online discourse has been talking about Infinite Jest again, uh, which, which seems to happen about once a month. So if we put this out in a month's time, it will probably be current again. Yeah, just ca- catch the wave. Catch the next wave. So confession, Infinite Jest is a is a is a favorite book of mine. Uh, I am one of those millennial men, um, um, and I mean, so so this is a book that is uh, obviously it's much more modern. It's only about twenty twenty five years old, and one of the main kind of central themes of the book is um, 
uh, pleasure and addiction. And the name Infinite Jest refers to uh, a video. Um, and this video is so pleasure-inducing that if you see it even once, you will not want to do anything else again until you die. So you see it once and you're transfixed in this state of it's kind of trance-like catatonia and you just keep watching it over and over and over again on repeat until you die. Oh, and wow. so this actually has parallels in this scene of uh, Hong Lo Mong, right? Because Jia Rei has been warned not to do this, but he looks at the thing nonetheless and as soon as he turns the mirror over and looks into the front, he's lost. And the only thing that he will do is indulge his own pleasures and desires over and over again until he dies. And so I thought there was this kind of interesting parallel that you could kind of draw between them. You know, they're very different books in a lot of other ways, but I think in that way it's it's quite kind of interesting, quite similar. This question of pleasure and the ways that we go about uh, obtaining it, and is there such a thing as something that is so pleasurable that after you experience it, everything else is just like dust and ashes, you know? And that sort of certainly seems to be the case here. It's quite a kind of similar similar kind of object. So what's your read on the, um, not to get too far afield, but uh, what's your read on the Infinite Jest uh, discourse? Is it missing this uh, understanding of... Um is this is this a matter of is this a matter of male desire? That seems to be the the charge that um, Infinite Jest only attends to male desire. Uh, and so, is there? I guess we'll see. Is there a female equivalent of Jare? There's nothing I think inherently more geared towards men about it. I, I as in, it's not something like Conan the Barbarian, for example, which is a kind of like ludicrous male fantasy okay. <laughs> it's there's a certain kind of man who likes it and loves talking about it guilty i think also the author uh david foster wallace uh was kind of a shitty misogynistic guy uh in his personal life i can't imagine a similar uh, charge being made against dream of the red chamber I-, I wonder though whether there is a tradition of criticizing this book for for being somehow if anything it's it's Hong Lo Meng's quality is in its depth of female characters, it would seem, right? Is that, does that seem like a fair estimation? I think that the female characters are, are well drawn, but I think there is a certain male gaze in how it is, in how the story is told, and, and who... I struggle with it because in a, in a society such as the one in which this novel is set, I don't know how much scope there is to tell stories that are kind of hmm. empowering uh for okay. for the female characters it's it's one in which women i think are somewhat second class um and i, I don't know I, I i'm not sure exactly I, I i just mean it's it's a kind of baked is 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 there a kind of degree of giving greater weight to men i suppose baked into the society of the time right and so when you have a realist co- composition you're sort of st- you're in a position where you have to reproduce the values of the society, at least in representing them, uh, in order to criticize them or to to show an alternative. So it, it is kind of a, a, a paradox or a, um, a complication of realism. Uh, I would say that, I mean, so far, the, the depth of character um, development, especially, it seems as if the, the, mo- the, 
the greatest depth of character that we've seen has have been in the in Bao Yu and in the the primary female characters, right? Yeah, yeah. I the the I I agree. The most fully developed characters are are Bao Yu and his two his two cousins. And so there's definitely a a sympathy there, right? Uh, but you you could you could definitely critique that sympathy uh, and and look for you know within sympathy there's often um, kind of diminution uh, and uh, displacement and projection and so on and so forth. Um, so I, I think we can leave that an open question as we as we proceed forward. Just before we we go onto it, there is one thing I wanted to pick up, which is we talk a lot about uh, homophony in this novel uh, because there is a lot of kind of plays on characters, plays on pronunciation. And it's very clear in some of the characters' names, but I think it's also... um, I was interested in the mirror, because mirror in um, Chinese is uh, 镜子, right? And it's it's a homophone of the word for semen, 镜子, right? Different tone, but essentially the same pronunciation. And... But but the thing is that jing it can mean uh, seed, hence semen, but it can also mean like spirit or or kind of almost something like soul, and so you have a lot of these kind of complex ideas all all sort of mixed up together, um, and, and it's also this kind of half homophone of qing, uh, uh, like love, which we talked a lot about before, and the character also very closely resembles qing. I then looked into a bit of like um Taoist sexual practices and there is this thing in Taoism of male ejaculation being uh linked to loss of vitality. Right, that's a strong correlation, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I can remember reading this actually I think in in the memoir Wild Swans, she mentions that her grandmother remarried a very strict Taoist man and they would never have sex. Press F to doubt, but they would never have sex because he considered ejaculation of semen to be sapping to his vitality somehow or if you do you you practice uh coitus conservatus <laughs> where you uh you, you basically uh reach uh the point of orgasm but but you um oh you pull out uh what's the what's the modern term for it i forget you don't bust inside like a uh, peaking or, or something what's the <laughs> oh you it's like edging edging of. yeah okay it's edging <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, well i just uh, yeah i did think it was kind of interesting and it relates to chi and in preserving your chi and so on and so forth right well like as a sexual practice it has this very weird modern equivalent with the proud boys as in like the alt-right group because <laughs> they one of the things that you have to sign up to if you're the type of person who joins the Proud Boys, is never masturbating because they believe it somehow leads to a kind of weakness or loss of vitality as well. So a very bizarre company there between like Taoism and the modern kind of alt-right. But I think it's interesting here because uh, this has got real weird. Didn't we say in a previous episode? (laughs) I just think it's interesting here because the mirror and his spirit and ejaculation are all tied together very closely uh, in this single scene and with each progressive ejaculation more and more of his spirit is lost right it's it kind of it's trapped inside the mirror and you know when he dies in bed you know often when when people you know in their kind of death scene maybe they're in a pool of blood or something but no 
he's in a pool of his own semen. I mean, there's definitely a long pedigree of these kinds of... Uh, like I said before, people sometimes think of uh, Journey to the West as a children's novel, which is very uh, misleading because there's a huge emphasis in that work about semen retention and that, you know, the uh, uh, Tang Sung, the monk, his, you know connection with immortality is the fact that he uh not only has he never uh, ejaculated but his previous he has never done so in previous lives so he's maintained so much uh chi that hit like consuming him will give you um consuming his body consuming his flesh will give you will grant you immortality oh wow and so there really is a strong long tradition of uh this this sort of um magical thinking I, I thought you were about to say not only has he never ejaculated, but neither has his father. <laughs> I, I mean, that would be technically impossible, but because of, course, of the of when you have a when you have a, a theory of rebirth, it is possible that you're you're not not your father, but your previous spiritual self uh, also uh, knows the importance of conservation. Okay, so um. <laughs> so that's probably enough talking about semen, at, at least for this episode. So what happens next? I mean, basically, they're freaking out. the The family uh, is extremely. They're looking for the the Dallas monk. They're trying to burn the mirror, you know, because they know it has this um, deleterious effect. And um, at just the right moment, the the monk emerges, and he wants the mirror back. And he he does some kind of magic, and it flies toward him. And he has a really important. His comment here is really important, where he says, "Who told him to look at the front?" It is you who are to blame for confusing the unreal with the real. And that's, again, this Jia Jen topic that we've been discussing over and over again. And so it's the same characters for unreal and real. And so I guess the implication is that the skull is the reality and the unreal is the fantasy land. Uh, so I, I, that's kind of a, that's an important part to this whole story, I think. Um, so that returns to that, that theme from before. Um, and I guess we've we've encountered that that couplet before about real and unreal uh and i think the first few times we saw it it didn't have necessarily that much significance beyond its literal meaning but as we progress through the book there i think is layered upon it over and over again greater kind of depth of 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 meaning and and um and significance to that real unreal dichotomy and so the uh Dairu uh, starts to prepare for the funeral. The various members of the Jack clan uh, send condolences and money so that they can have a proper funeral. They say uh, the coffin is placed in the temple of the Iron Threshold, which kind of reminds me of the, um, the iron chains in the mirror. I wonder if that was a, a foreshadowing of this iron threshold that's kind of a cool detail um and that's basically what happens except at the very end we we learn that uh lin dai yu's father lin ruhai has fallen seriously ill and he has written a letter re- requesting dai yu uh, to come back and see him yeah and and i think that this is a good opportunity to to correct something from an earlier episode. So I think in chapter two, we maybe unfairly maligned Lin Ruhai as being a poor father. Oh, okay. Um, because when his wife, Lin Dayu's mother dies, he says, I'm not going to remarry. I'm not going to have any more children. 
um, and I would be a bad father for you. So he packs her up and carts her off to live with her grandmother mm. instead. And at the time, I remember thinking and, and saying, like, he seems a rather uninterested father. Um, but I think it, it sounds like he is still a, 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 a caring father. And this is actually the most appropriate thing to do in the situation because someone mentioned in, in a comment uh, that women at that time, if they hadn't been raised by other women in their family could be perceived as in some way kind of less less marriageable um less kind of less good as a as a potential partner and mm. I, I suppose given the significance um placed on marrying and marrying well i guess it's an act of kindness although it might not seem that way in the first in the first instance i mean now it seems definitely uh, understandable, right? Uh, so I, I, I guess, yeah, we have to uh, make amends for uh, speaking ill of... We, we should have known. <laughs> yeah, I think it was me that said it. So I think it's, it's you know, I, I must recount <laughs> my previous um, description of him. Okay, so uh, this has been a pretty good one. Uh, we're going to learn next time about... Um, what happens to Ching Ka Ching. Uh, and, and we're going to see that uh, Wang Shifeng takes on um, managerial, a new managerial position. So I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what happens there. Uh, I'm also curious to see how Bao Yu treats the absence of the beloved uh, Dai Yu. Um, so until next time, this has been Rereading the Stone. Be sure to get in touch with us. We're available uh, on Twitter at Rereading Stone. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a Reddit forum. So there's lots of great ways to... We like we love to get feedback. We're always... It's always exciting to hear that, that people are listening and they're enjoying and they're... Uh, and uh, if there's something... If you have your own opinion, you think we've uh, unfairly maligned Wang Shifang, we want to hear about it. Um, yeah, absolutely do. Feel free to, feel free to, to engage uh, and tell us why we are idiots. It's probably correct, um, but I'd love to know how. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in what ways. Okay. So in, until next time, uh, bye-bye.